This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome Thursday, 14 September, Year of Lord 2023. Thanks uh, for uh, sticking around for the second hour all week. We've been trying to take these major uh, topics and tie it to the reality of the Chinese Communist Party's involvement in um, in uh, elite capture and really controlling the United States of America. It's kind of what the basis of this impeachment effort is, and we're trying to get folks, particularly the war and posse, to understand the depth of this and the importance of seeing this thing through to the to the bitter end of everything that's going. Also, to arm you and weaponize you in this fight that's obviously uh, going to be cataclysmic over this uh, continuing resolution, the budget, all of it, in the next couple of days, uh, the woke and weaponized armed forces. So Frank Gaffney joins us. He's my co-host for all of these. Frank, we've got an incredible panel again today that you've put together. I'm going to toss it to you, but you talk about the destruction of the U.S. military. The Soviet Union had a different, they, Stalin had a different thing. What he did is lined up, he did show trials, he shot all the senior generals or, or folks that were still around from the from the uh from the czars he got rid of them that way and put in people that he wanted is uh is uh not that we would go to that depths but it, isn't that the easiest way to do this is just do what uh what coach tuberville's doing because now the same is going to take 700 hours to get through what coach tuberville's done all the woke guys that he's not approving just we just say, okay, all of you guys are immediately retired. Is that one way to straighten this mess out? Or is it deeper and more systemic in that? Is that what you're going to show me in this hour? Steve, we are going to show the systemic rot that is now afflicting the United States military in the course of this hour. And it builds on, as you say, uh, the three programs that we've done in the course of this week, especially um, Tuesdays, which is really one that I commend to everybody about how the Marxists, uh, specifically the Chinese Communist Party, but their friends here in the United States, and that is, of course, the subtitle of our new book, The Indictment, uh, prosecuting the Chinese Communist Party and friends for crimes against America, China, and the world. Uh, you published it at the uh, War Room imprint, I'm very proud to say, and gave us a forward to it. But the Friends piece of this is uh, what has been absolutely critical to the takedown, or as Barack Obama would put it, the fundamental transformation of the United States military. Um, friends like Joe Biden, and yesterday we talked about at length the compromise really doesn't begin to describe it. Uh, the capture of China's friend in the White House, their um, uh, controlled asset, as Sam Fattis properly put it. You put all this together and unfortunately, combined not only with what I think of as Obama-Biden 3.0, the term that we're in right now, but the previous two Obama-Biden terms, the assault on the military that began in earnest 
shortly after Barack Obama became president with the firing of many of the warriors, the people that you want running our nation's military, and their replacement with people who were willing to go along with the, uh, some call it woke, I think that's, again, very misleading, the cultural Marxist agenda. We're going to talk about all of this and really lay out, bring the receipts, as you like to say, Steve, about who's involved, about the extent to which they have been using the so-called uh, diversity, equity, inclusion agenda to uh, effect this kind of fundamental transformation, the consequences that it's having on the readiness, on the uh, morale, on the deterrent quality of our military. And then we're going to talk about how perilous all this is in the context of something that has been a theme throughout this series of programs and the body of work that we're drawing upon for them, namely the work of the Committee on the Present Danger China with its 110 plus webinars at presentdangerchina.org, namely the fact that the Chinese Communist Party under Xi Jinping seems poised and perhaps is in the process of beginning to wage a shooting war against the United States. This is no time to have the military of our country uh, disarmed, demoralized, uh, or otherwise incapable of providing for the national defense. So we're going to start with Carol Swain, a woman who has uh, been featured prominently in recent weeks uh, as a result of uh, your attention, which is well-placed, on her brave and important new book, The Adversity of diversity. Dr. Swain, of course, is well known to this audience. She's been a tenured professor at Princeton and Vanderbilt, brought herself up by the bootstraps, uh, demonstrating the American dream is still alive and well. And she is going to help us understand the cultural Marxist character and roots of this agenda and uh, talk about the dangers for our military. We're going to talk with Will Thibault, He's the director of the Center, the American Military Project, I should say, at the uh, Claremont Institute in Washington, D.C. Um, he's an Army Ranger veteran, combat uh, experienced, and uh, leading the fight these days to try to make sure that uh, people understand the importance of what Senator Tuberville is doing to put a hold on these uh, well, these generals and admirals and others who are poised to become generals and admirals, uh, but who are embracing by some extraordinary percentage this agenda, which has the takedown of our military as its purpose. And then finally, we're going to hear from a great warrior, um, Colonel Grant Newsham, United States Marine Corps retired, the author most recently of When China Attacks. He's going to put in very sharp context for us the perilous nature of doing all of this to the armed forces of the United States at a moment when China may well be poised to attack. So I'd propose that we go to Carl Swain directly, if we can, Steve, at this point. Let's bring in Dr. Swain. Dr. Swain, to Frank's, uh, you've done tremendous work at talk about academia. You've talked about corporations. You've talked about the government. What about the military? Is 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 the is the is is wokeness, D E I E S G C R T, 
are the unholy trinity of those uh, destroying uh, the last great institution of the American Republic, ma'am? Yes, and I would agree with Frank that we saw dramatic changes take place during the Obama administration. What we saw was a purging of the generals who took seriously their oath of office to defend America against foreign and domestic enemies. And I believe that they have transformed the military already to the point that the traditional uh, men and women that came from military families from small towns, they would be less likely to enlist in today's military because it is so anti-Christian and anti-traditional values and principles. Walk through for a second. I want to take all three of those: the 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 DEI, the ESG, and the in uh, the in uh, the CRT. CRT. How do you see that actually the practicality of 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 transforming the military today? I mean, it all ties together with issues that I uh, spoke about a couple of years ago in my book, Black Eye for America: How Critical Race Theory Is Burning Down the House. And uh, it is literally burning down the house. The house is aflame. And with, um, you know, this culture Marxism and critical race theory, it seeks to destroy traditional institutions, whether it's the family, the church, the government, the legal system, anything that is traditionally rooted, it seeks to destroy. And with critical race theory, it argues that uh, that racism is in the DNA of white people and that all of our institutions are systemically racist, uh, that all white people and their institutions are oppressive. They have to be dismantled and torn down. And you asked about, so that's sort of the argument behind critical race theory. It is rooted in cultural Marxism that comes from economic Marxism and Karl Marx. And uh, it has been very successful in infiltrating and uh, and dismantling institutions from within. And so they have played the long game. Many of us have been blind and we have not uh, heeded the warnings that a scholar like Cleon Skousen, who wrote The Naked Communist in 1958, and he published 45 current, at that time, communist goals. It was read into the congressional record in 1963, if you read those uh, current back then goals, I would say that they have all been uh, attained and that America is, I mean, it's its teetering on the edge of a precipice. It wouldn't take anything but a strong uh, gust of wind to blow it over the edge. And that's where we are. And we are at the point where our nation, sometimes it feels like it's already lost. And ESG, that's the globalism part of it that puts pressure on the corporations to set in place something very much like the uh, social credit system they have in China, where they evaluate corporations based on their willingness to institute those DEI uh, goals that have been handed down to them. And so corporations uh, are afraid to say no because it's tied to the financial markets and tied to so many things that corporations depend on. Steve, can I mention one when thing? When I was in the uh, mil 
Yeah, yeah, jump in, jump in, jump in. Well, I just wanted to dry, drill down on this point because Carol's, again, extraordinarily courageous in talking about this. But CRT is racist. Of course. And, and one of the reasons why we're having this conversation is we've had all of this kind of showcased, uh, of course, in the in the holes that Senator Tuberville has placed, but specifically in the context of the nomination by Joe Biden of General C.Q. Brown, the current chief of staff of the Air Force, to become the next top military officer in the country. And he's a, a black general. He has had a record of service as a combat uh, fighter pilot and served in a number of important positions over the subsequent years. But he embraces full on this agenda. He has become one of its most aggressive champions inside the Air Force. And we'll be talking more shortly with Will Thibault about the damage that that's done. But just, Carol, to this point, um, General Brown, as a black officer, has been kind of given a pass, even though well, he is promoting a kind of racist agenda, is he not? I think about General Brown, you know, he worked his way up through the ranks and he probably on his way up, uh, he probably adhered to traditional norms and values. He was well respected. But once the uh, Biden administration and the Obama administration came to power, they encouraged everyone to embrace their vision of diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is strongly connected to critical race theory and the cultural Marxism. And so you have people who, quote, used to be normal that have embraced these goals to the detriment of the U.S. military because they are engaged in social engineering rather than the mission and goal of the military to defend us against foreign and domestic enemies. And they have totally wrecked the U.S. military. I am, uh, you know, sure, and you probably have data on it, that the kinds of men and women who used to enlist in the U.S. military, that they would not do so today because they would be harassed, they would be singled out. We know that the number of rapes of men in the military, that all of these horrible things have happened because uh, we are not... We're not who we used to be, but we're encouraging a vision of diversity that's very destructive in every way. Can I also Can say, Steve, we talked about this yesterday, the, about the, the, the yeah, extent yeah. to which Go there ahead. are political commissars in the military that are enforcing all of this. Just as Carol says, the DEI officers that are being attached to, you know, the ranks all the way down to try to make sure that everybody's outside the, the program. Outside the no, outside the chain of command, PRC. But Dr. Swain, I just, you get, help the audience here. When I was in the military in the mid-70s to early 80s, the military prided itself in being colorblind. And, and I think it was the institution at the leading edge that um, African-Americans, Asians, Hispanics could actually get a better place in society, an education, a job that had meaning, and then get get them, get folks ready for going on the outside. What was, I mean, they've I, taken the greatest institution we had in the country, and I think the institution at one point in time, now there were problems obviously earlier, but one point, particularly one, you know, by the, the 70s and 80s when President Reagan came in that was essentially colorblind and, and now it, have gone at that 
totally, uh, totally with 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 tooth and claw, ma'am. Well, Steve, the military used to be pointed to as the institution. Uh, it was the model of what we wanted to achieve in society. And um, and all of that's certainly been destroyed. But I know that in my lifetime, for people that came from backgrounds like mine, most of them didn't end up where I did. But if they went into the military, they were able to get training and education. They used the GI Bill and they became very uh, successful and they loved America. There was no hatred of America. It took people um, from, you know, every social economic class, but it was a way up for people who were disadvantaged. Uh, I don't believe that is the case any longer because we're teaching our young people to hate America. And so they hate the military. They don't see the value in the military. But yes, the U.S. military used to be the model of what we hope to achieve. And, and at the time, you can call it affirmative action. I don't know if, if that was the right name for it, but the military was known for equal opportunity and non-discrimination and for the emphasis on the fact that we all bleed uh, red blood, that there's no mm -hmm. difference in the blood we bleed. Yeah. And the danger is if Fantastic, you don't Frank. if you don't support that program, uh, you wind up with a military that lacks cohesion. Uh, unit cohesion, especially, and the morale is sapped, and so on, which which really brings us to the point of how how extensive is this rot, Steve? And and if we could talk with Will Thibault about work that he's been doing researching, uh, as uh, Carol talked about some of the statistics on recruitment, yes, but also on the people that are in place today and their embrace of this agenda. Will, are you there? Frank, Steve, yeah, thanks, and it's it's great to talk with you both. It's a it's a troubling it's a troubling time for much of what Dr. Swain talked about. But Senator Tuberville's hold on military promotions provides the opportunity for us to assess just who exactly is in uniform and leading our armed forces. And it's not merely the fact that a lot of these generals and admirals are uh, spouting progressive. Uh, social policies on Twitter or even in, in public official events, you know, to the tune of 42% of those who have been nominated for promotion. But it's that that is such a departure from the military ideal that was established by the generals like William Sherman, Blackjack Pershing, and George Marshall to almost disdain political involvement, much less public advocacy for blatantly political ideology like DEI or critical race theory. And so I think it's part of our job, part of your viewers' job, to uh, expect the military to reclaim that sense of the military profession uh, in a, for, a, for a positive affirmation that, that merit must be the foundation of every decision made about the military. And that's not too high of a standard for us to hold, uh, you know, hold our senior military officers accountable for. And, and it, just Can we, to clarify, you said 42% of the people on the list that uh, Joe Biden wants promoted have embraced publicly this agenda? Yes. By our count, you know, it's, I think it's at 310 officers as of today, and 42% have publicly advocated for, uh, along some sense of a spectrum, have publicly advocated for this kind of politicization of the Department of Defense. And to bring those kinds okay. of political decisions into military, yeah. um, well, military decisions. Yeah, well, well, 
pull, pull the camera back for a second because I want to. I I don't think even our audience is up to speed enough on what Tuber because Tuberville they're screaming at him. He's a radical and abortion everything like that. It's deeper than that. Explain what Coach Tuberville is trying to accomplish in 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 this process. Because today they're saying that seven hundred hours to approve everybody. It's going to be the American military is going to. Uh, to cave to the Chinese communists, to the PLA, all of it. Walk people through exactly what Tuberville is doing and what he, he is exposing in this process. At the start, on February 16th, Steve, the Department of Defense announced that they would pay for the travel and expenses associated with service members and their dependents uh, getting abortions, the travel. And, and to boot, they would also get time off for seeking those kinds of procedures. Um, the, you know, this is... A, a brand new policy. It's, it, is, it is against the law. And I'll, I'll take Senator Tuberville at his word that he's trying to change that policy. But what I think the outrage from the establishment media, the military industrial complex and the Democrats is about is losing the unrestricted, unregulated uh, access to military promotions that they have enjoyed for decades. It was unthinkable for any senator to meaningfully hold up military promotions, even though Democrats have exercised that power too. But for whatever reason, Senator Tuberville's decision is the first time that there is a genuine threat to the military skirting congressional oversight and the genuine civilian control of the Department of Defense to put into power those who they want to lead at the highest echelons of the military's chain of command. That's why Senator Schumer won't even bring the highest ranking nominees up for a vote. He wants to maintain, he wants the military and the military wants to maintain a hold on this process. So congressional oversight can never risk this kind, uh, this kind of a window into the people uh, who are leading our nation's military again. Uh, that, that's, that's why there's the outrage. That's why not even a single general or admiral's promotion has come up for a vote because they can never return to a world where there is genuine oversight. And again, that's the standard that, that groups like the Claremont Institute and many of your viewers should hold their elected representatives towards. We have a right to understand who's leading our military. Steve, we talked well, how about did this get, in the first uh, Frank, show hang this on week. Second, but yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, 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 but hang on. I, Frank, you guys explain this to me. Why, correct me if I'm wrong, why are there not 45 Republican senators that have his back every time he walks to the sticks? It at least appears to me he's on an island. He's one man alone. Where are all the other big talking uh, Lindsey Graham and all these guys are the super hawks that want to spend $2 trillion in defense and ship $100 billion to Ukraine? Where's Does anybody have Coach Tuberville's back? I'll highlight the, the tremendous support Senator Mike Lee has given Coach Tuberville, and he deserves a lot of credit for going out of his way uh, to, to back him here. Senators like J.D. Vance have also expressed support. But you, you're right, Steve, and this really reveals the dichotomy in the Republican Party, um, that even when it comes to a, a supposedly conservative issue like abortion uh, or, or identity politics in the military, Many of these senators are only willing uh, to hold the Department of Defense so accountable. They're not willing to hold their budget, you know, on the hostage negotiating table. They're not willing to risk, you know, the gravy train, you know, continuing full speed ahead. Just for example, Frank brought up CQ Brown's nomination hearing. He's kind of the par excellence of, of how this polarization has happened. At the nomination hearing, there was only one senator, Eric Schmidt of Missouri, who asked him about the racial quotas 
that General Brown imposed on the Air Force officer admissions process. It's, it's, it shows that Republican senators, a lot of them at least, have other priorities than actually ensuring the military is a political, functional, and Frank, accountable. And that's really Frank, disturbing. Frank, this is for you because you, you've spent your life at this. How can we even talk about the systemic things we have to get to if the lords in the Senate aren't even prepared to go to something that is big. And I say, this is deeper than abortion. It's, it's, it's about the political correctness and the woke and weaponized. How can yeah. we have a conversation about how you get to the systemic if you're not able to actually back Tuberville on something that's so clear and so obvious about how, what we need to do to get, our, to get our hands around this and get control from the Republican side? Well, more to the point, so much a part of their job. We, I was just going to say, Steve, that we talked about in our first uh, show this week about the globalist um, agenda, the, the global governance scheme that they're using a kind of soft coup to take down our sovereignty. And, and I think it was you who pointed out that under our Constitution, the framers created a quality control mechanism called the United States Senate to prevent people from blowing through a treaty process fundamental changes of our country. Well, they also gave the United States Senate the responsibility of being the quality control agent for the United States military and other, you know, other, uh, you know, uh, critical appointments. But here's the thing. I think part of it, and, and I'm so glad Carol's with us because she has been calling this out as we all should. Because C.Q. Brown is black, I think he has been given a pass. Not only a pass, you know, in terms of promotion, but but a pass as far as the Senate is concerned. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know, a guy like Tom Cotton, for example, who has been very vocal about his concerns about this so-called woke cultural Marxist takedown of our military, chose not to bring any of those issues up. I think they're on his mind, but he chose not to. And and here's why this is so important that we're talking about it on your program to the posse today, is we need to have Senator Tuberville's back. We need to be supporting yes. him yes. and his efforts to try to get other members of the Senate to man yes. up and take yes. this on. I think we can still do it. And the beauty of the hold is... Yeah. As long well, as it holds, I, 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 we've got I the opportunity. Yeah, I want to talk. We're going to talk after the break on this very topic, the confirmation, the advice and consent of the United States Senate. Back in a moment. It can happen anywhere. Fires, hurricanes, tornadoes, mudslides. Regular cell service is fragile and it can go down in an instant. That's why you absolutely need a satellite phone. Because when that happens, when the cell towers go down, how will you contact your loved ones? How will you contact emergency services? But with a sat phone, if you can see the sky, you can make a call. It's got 100% global coverage, ensuring you're always within reach. Your calls are secure and private. No one's eavesdropping. Even the U.S. military trusts these phones to communicate securely. Your text messages encrypted. Only the intended recipient can read them. 
Everything you do with this phone is 100% private and 100% secure. Now, right now, our trusted partners at War Room, the satellite phone store, is giving you a free Iridium 9555 satellite phone and a free Garmin watch with a 24-month plan if you go to sat123.com slash Bannon right now. That's sat123.com slash Bannon right now. Be ready for anything. The earthquake, wildfires, terrorism, anything, anywhere on Earth. With your new satellite phone today, you're always in contact. So go do it today. You get everything that we talked about as well as your free bonuses. Visit sat123.com slash Bannon and use code Steve50 at checkout for free activation or dial the following number, 941-955-1020 to snag your free Iridium 9555 satellite phone today. That's sat123.com slash Bannon, code Steve50 or call 941-955-1020. The former KGB colonel, Vladimir Putin, who, by the way, is no friend of the United States, called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS conference in South Africa as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to fall. We call this the de-dollarization movement. Now, as demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar weakens. That is why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text Bannon, that's B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898 for your free info kit on gold. With thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews, you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Text Bannon to 989898. That's Bannon at 989898 to claim your free information kit. Use your agency. Do it today. When's the last time you checked the legal title to your home? Why? Because most victims of home title theft don't know they're a victim until it's too late. Like this homeowner. Check this out. She was getting ready for a home remodel when everything got shut down. She discovered her property wasn't in her name anymore. She was a victim of a devastating crime called home title theft. A criminal had forged the deed to her home and took over as the new owner. Now she's fighting back to get her home back. This is why I say if you own a home or a property, get home title lock. Your home property and equity are the most valuable assets you have. By the way, there's reported 80 to 90% of your net worth, of average American's net worth, is in their home. And home title lock helps you protect them. Home title lock puts a 24-7 shield around your home's title. Let me repeat. A 24-hour, 7-day-a-week, 365-day shield around your home's title. The instant they detect activity or tampering, they help shut it down fast. First things first, 
you need to verify you aren't already a victim of home title theft. Find out for free with a sign-up when you use promo code Bannon. That's promo code Bannon at HomeTitleLock.com. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, promo code Bannon. And when you sign up, your first 30 days of protection are free. Do this today at HomeTitleLock.com, promo code Bannon. Protect yourself. Do it today. Take action. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, Frank, we've got, an, which is the, what the War Room Posse set up in the show, is an actionable item. I'm going to toss to you and bring in Dr. Swain and Will. But just real quickly, a couple of minutes, because we're pressed for time, a couple of minutes on this confirmation process for CQ Brown, because this is where it could all come together, and you're 100% correct. The War Room Posse, this show, we have to step up and have Tuberville's back. back. If only Mike mm-hmm. Lee and J.D. in the Senate uh, and he's really hanging out there alone on a, in a historic and courageous endeavor. We have to have his back. CQ Brown, the confirmation of Frank Gaffney. I'll toss it to you. Steve, I started my career uh, working on the Senate Armed Services Committee for initially Scoop Jackson, a Democrat, um, then for John Tower, the chairman, a Republican. Um, Scoop Jackson, if he were alive today, would have none of this. He'd be leading the charge against CQ Brown. I can assure you of that, as would John Tower. The fact is, uh, what we've seen already, and it's not nearly enough, this needs to be much more rigorously plumbed than it has been today. And, and I want to give credit to uh, Will and his team at Claremont, among a number of others. The Center for Restoring America, Russ Watts outfit, has been doing great work as well, Heritage as well. The main point here is what we need, Steve, as in the case where an individual has a drug abuse problem, or as an alcohol, alcoholic, you know, um, if they're lucky, their family, their friends, their colleagues at work, their, you know, community come together for what's called an intervention. What is happening with a military that has been drinking the, well, cultural Marxist Kool-Aid is the urgent need for an intervention by the United States Senate. And this posse can help energize that around the rejection of General Brown. A single vote could make a big difference in the trajectory here. We urge them to go to rejectgeneralbrown.org. I wanna just turn now to uh, Colonel Grant Newsom, a man who has worn the uniform of the United States Marine Corps with great distinction. He is very forthright about what's happening to his beloved service and and the military more generally. And he understands better than anybody as the author most recently of When China Attacks, that this isn't just something that'd be nice for us to do. We must intervene now before China does in fact take it to the kinetic shooting. I just gotta toss my endorsement uh, over the weekend to get ready for this week i reread all the key books on china and i have to tell you colonel this may be my favorite because it is up in your grill about the danger that this nation faces and i gotta tell you elon musk said today said last night that uh taiwan's part of china and the taiwanese mm-hmm. called him out that we're not for sale elon musk has got to stop reading uh uh books like uh the Thucydides Trap by Graham Allison. I got to start reading this book right here. Magnificent. Stop working for China. 
Grant mm. Newsom, what do you make of all this, sir? And how important is it that we get to the bottom of it? Well, if we don't get this fixed, we're going to lose. Uh, we are losing our conventional uh, cap uh, uh, superiority over the Chinese. In some areas, we've already lost it. Uh, if there's a fight between uh, the Americans and the Chinese anywhere close to the Chinese mainland, if they choose their time, choose their spots, they could defeat us. Uh, you better get used to having 5,000 dead in an afternoon. And so we've still got advantages, particularly if it's a global fight. But this isn't just a question of conventional capabilities. There's a psychological aspect to military power, to deterrence. And that is where we are losing our edge and badly. The Chinese are glad to have that uh, take place. Uh, people join a military to be part of, a, of something else. And what we are doing with this uh, attack on American equality, the so-called critical race theory, DEI, uh, that is gutting the psychological cohesion of the U.S. military. Uh, and this really got supercharged in about 2020 with this Black Lives Matter nonsense uh, that is, of course, backed by the Chinese. They love to see it. But what you really saw, and this was very troubling, not troubling, it was horrifying. You had the uh, Chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Milley. You had the CNO, uh, Admiral Gilday. These guys say, yeah, these, there's something here. We have to understand it. And, you know, let's, uh, let's give it, let's have a, uh, what, uh, what do you call it? A uh, white terrorism standout. Uh, but the basic ideas of all of this are that, of the CRT, these ideas being foisted on the military are that America is a flawed nation, it's an evil nation, that this evil is centered around white people. And what you're doing is you're tribalizing the US military. You are going to tear it apart. And think about this now. You're basically telling the biggest bunch of people who joined the military, well, we don't really know if we want you in here. We don't trust you. We might let you in. We'll give you limited opportunities because other people who've been mistreated, they should have more opportunity, but we expect you to go die for us. And why on earth would anybody join the military if that's how you're going to be treated? But also keep in mind that this, uh, it undercuts the, this, these ideas, they undercut an officer's authority. They undercut the authority of staff NCOs, who really are the key to the military. And you're really saying, we don't trust you. We don't trust you to have the decency to treat people the way you'd like to be treated, to follow the law and to treat people equally. Uh, what does that, what exactly are you trying to do? Additionally, you're going to have uh, everybody walking on tenterhooks because they're afraid that somebody's going to accuse them of racism. And so officers and staff NCOs are going to really be hamstrung by basically the dirt bags in any unit. You're going to have struggle sessions uh, where uh, the, the officers have to sit down and have everyone tell them what they really think. Uh, now, and you're going to have this really lead to affirmative action. Now think about this, if you're from the uh, Chinese perspective, who would you rather fight? A military which has, uh, is, promotes on merit or one that promotes on color? Uh, take your pick. We'd love it if the Chinese were doing to themselves what we're doing to us. Now, one of the great ironies of all of this, of course, is that there's been no evidence that there's a problem in the military. It is the one organization, the one institution in the United States 
uh, that actually is a, a meritocracy. It allows upward movement. And in fact, anybody, any officer, any staff NCO that I've ever come across, I can't speak for the Air Force, I guess. Uh, but if he ever said, we've got too many of these kind of people, he'd be finished. He would have to resign. Uh, but here we get away with it. And you have General Brown, basically, he's just the modern version of uh, what they used to say, oh, there's too many Jews. We can't let them into Harvard. There's too many Jews. We can't let them into Wall Street. What is the difference? So here you are taking really the most impressive institution, the one that keeps us safe, and you're destroying it. And the thing to remember is a couple things is one, uh, that this is nothing new. In the late 60s into the 70s, there was uh, something very much like it. Uh, Robert McNamara, Secretary of Defense McNamara's Project 100,000, uh, brought into the military 100,000 people from the lowest mental categories, thinking that this was going to have great social effects. It was even going to improve the military. It didn't. It damn near destroyed it. And this is that was the version of DEI, you know, and that is what you got. You had these struggle sessions in the so-called human relations program that people of a certain age will remember it with horror, where you had basically malcontents uh, criticizing their officers in these formals uh, sort of circles and this sort of stuff. So this is nothing new what we're seeing today, but it is a constant push ultimately to try to destroy the U.S. military. And the last thing I'll note is that you don't hear any general officers calling this out, speaking up against it. You know, I've been listening for it and there are good officers out there, but nobody has said a word. And what you find when this is seen as the way to get ahead it brings the yes men out of the woodwork and you'll find plenty of them who see this is how you get ahead. Well, we're going to be all in for this sort of cultural Marxism. Then the ultimate aim, if you just do some homework, is to destroy the military, which is really the last uh, serious pillar uh, that's propping up the United States. So this is as serious as you can imagine. And if it plays out, you know, we just might find ourselves not just defeated, but but simply unable to to make a move and the Chinese must love what they see. Amen. Empowering them. Frank, Frank, let me, Frank, Frank, let let me just jump in here for a second. You said casualties. Psychologically, are the American people ready, Colonel Newsom, with these changes made in the fundamental transformation of of the military? And I think back as a naval officer, surface warfare officer, as a young man who used to patrol the South China Sea and the East China Sea, the reports that came out on the two collisions at sea um, that took place, I think the John McCain, the two ships, combatants crashed, and I read the reports afterwards, and I was shocked and stunned by the lack of seamanship, the basics of navigation, the understanding of what combat information center is supposed to do. It it, it, it so boggled my mind. This wouldn't even, you, you couldn't have gotten a drill on a pier in the Navy of the 1970s and Reagan's Navy of the 1980s. Do you believe that we are setting ourselves up and facing the Chinese, the PLA, to have something like a carrier battle group sunk to the bottom of the streets of Taiwan and have the American people have to face the first time since World War II losing 10, 12, 15,000 troops, sailors, uh, and Marines in an afternoon, sir? Uh, yes, and I don't think we're ready. You'll remember a few years ago in, I think it was Niger in Africa, a four man special forces team got run down and shot. And this was a national catastrophe. I think they had congressional hearings about it. Four people, as you said, Steve, 5,000 in an afternoon, even more. This is well within the range of possibility. 
And that is what the Chinese are gearing up to do. Uh, the country uh, you know, has got to brace itself, and I'm not sure we've got the, the nerve for it. And this is where it requires leaders to actually speak up and say, a military is about fighting. It is not about this uh, social engineering nonsense, which is ultimately intended to weaken and destroy the military. I know a lot of the, the people who are pushing it, they say, well, I, you know, it's just, it's no big deal. It's just something, it's not, just let it go. We'll ride through it. But no, the intention here is to to weaken the military. And it may, we just may find ourselves in a position uh, where we are just getting uh, clobbered and, and losing. And once you lose to these people, there'll be no coming back. Steve, let me just ask you if I could, Will, um, yeah. the Secretary of the Air Force has made two speeches, as I understand it, this week, in which he has expressed real concern about a coming war with communist China and the fact that his service is not ready. In addition to what we've said about General Brown's um, embrace of this toxic cultural Marxist agenda, talk a little bit, if you would, about his performance as the chief of staff of the Air Force on whose watch this military service has been reduced by the estimates of our friends at Heritage from marginally strong to very weak. Will, are you there? Yeah, in, in Reagan's Air Force. You got me? Yep. Yeah, in, in Reagan's Air Force, yep. uh, Air Force pilots threw, flew almost four times a week. Nowadays, they fly less than one and a half sorties. They, they get in the plane and actually fly at less than one and a half times per week. The B-2 bomber, the only stealth nuclear bomber in our arsenal, was out of commission for six months early, earlier this year. And General C.Q. Brown was responsible for the training and readiness of the Air Force himself. And I think he should be held accountable for that, just like he should be held accountable for the extent to which he's politicized the Air Force and in the military uh, writ large. There's something for everyone in this in this confirmation vote. And if, if Harvard had the kind yeah. of admissions policies that the Air Force did, uh, we would be outraged. And so we should hold the Air Force to a much higher standard than we do Harvard. Well, the Supreme Court said uh, it's hey, not Hey, Frank, legal. let me ask. Let me let me, yeah. let, let, let me ask uh, Carol, Doctor Swain, uh, if you were on, if you were a senator and at the confirmation hearing of uh, of CQ Brown, what? Give me the two or three questions you'd ask him flat out. I would ask him about his uh, loyalty uh, to the United States. I would ask him questions about what he believed about America and its standing in the world. And I would try to gauge whether he was more of an advocate for globalization than for national nationalization in the sense that um, if you are in the U.S. military, your job should be clear. And that would be to defend and protect the nation uh, that you are enlisted to serve. And when it comes to the Congress, it's been the case that white Republicans are so terrified of being called racist that they never stand up whenever there's a challenge, whether it's a Supreme Court justice or any position that involves a black person on the um, uh, on the left on the on the progressive side. Because if it's a conservative, you don't know what they're going to do. But any time there's a chance that they think they may be called racist, then they will take the path of least resistance. 
Could I just say in closing, Steve, uh, Colonel Newsom, you have talked about the problems here. Um, there's an argument based on what we've just been told about both his conduct as chief of staff of the Air Force and embracing what is frankly an unconstitutional, and I think Carol would agree, illegal sort of racist preferential treatment of people that General Brown should be court-martialed, not promoted, especially to the role of chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Would you agree? Well, they ought to be cashiered. As I say, I just don't see a way around this. Uh, you could not stand in front of any gr a group of Marines, uh, really anyone, uh, if you had ever said, we think some of you are, are evil. Uh, we think some of you deserve better treatment. Uh, this is a four-star saying this. My goodness, the, the woe is me argument doesn't make much sense. The guy's practically got manservants. He's done pretty well out of this system. But you, as I say, I don't see how you can continue uh, with this. It, it guts the, the military, and it will be just like uh, back in the McNamara days and after where you had uh, gangs, race riots, you had absolute breakdown in discipline, uh, drug use all over the place. Uh, the enemies must love what they see. They do. Steve, we need the posse to go to rejectgeneralbrown.org and communicate directly to their United States senators to ensure that this guy, if he's not actually yeah. cashiered or court-martialed, is not made the next chairman of the Joint yeah. Chiefs of Staff. Now, Thank you. Let's, let's quickly go around the horn. Carol, where do people get you, your writings? Where do we go? I'll start with you first. Uh, you can go to my website, B thepeoplenews.com. Instead of we the people, it's be thepeoplenews.com and also at carolmswain.com. Dr. Swain, always love to have you on here. You're such a, uh, you're such a courageous person and so brilliant. We, we, we love you and the audience loves you. Will Tebow? Thank you. How do people get to you, sir? How do people, what are your coordinates? I'm at William Tebow on, uh, on X, tw formerly Twitter. Uh, we we have some testimony coming forward in front of the House Armed Services Committee on September 20th, Wednesday of next week, and uh, oh. hopefully some great written content in the Claremont Review books, the American Conservative, and a number of other outlets uh, over the course of the next year in the lead up to the election uh, to, <clears throat> to make this an issue for the American people. Thank you, brother. Uh, doing a great job over there. Uh, by the way, uh, Colonel, this book's amazing. Where do people get it in all your other writings? Well, thank you very much. The, the book's on uh, Amazon or wherever books are sold. It's even in some of the stores. Uh, Sam's Clubs have it, have it in fact. Uh, I have a sort of website, www.grantnewsham.com. I have uh, uh, Twitter at, at Newsham Grant and uh, email if anyone wants to contact me, gn at grantnewsham.com. Oh, my God, you opened the floodgates. You're a brave man. <laughs> You're very brave. Email for the posse and the trolls. Get, uh, Frank. I'm not going to say it's get to me, but it. Um. <laughs> Frank Gaffney, how do we get to you, sir? All your great work. Uh, PresentDangerChina.org, uh, SecureFreedom.org, SecuringAmerica.tv. The single most important one, Steve, is RejectGeneralBrown.org. Yeah. Um, you, you, you won't yeah. get to me, but you'll get to your senators.org, I believe it is. Yeah. Please take advantage of this posse. We need your action, action, action right now. We need action on this and support of Coach uh, Tuberville. More on that Amen. tomorrow. Frank, team, thank you so much. Honor to have you guys on here. Thank you, Stu.
Birch Gold. Tomorrow we're going to have a big kickoff of a new initiative, birchgold.com, birchgold.com slash Bannon. Get to the end of the dollar empire. You need to be weaponized for this fight in the House right now, the way you do it, the third in the series, called The Debt Trap. Embrace it, learn it, study it, immerse yourself in it. Also, go to Philip Patrick and the team over at Birch Gold. Ask them a simple question. Why is the Federal Reserve focus, like Nigel Farage told us today, on a central bank digital currency, yet the BRICS nations that are in focus on de-dollarization are buying gold at record rates, the central banks, in 22 and 23, and continues on. Ask Philip Patrick in the question of Birch Gold, the folks of Birch Gold, that question, and then I want you to think about the answer. Birchgold.com slash Bannon do today. Johnny Cash going to take us out, or no, Hank Williams, Hank Williams, another American original. I love this song. Bound for the Promised Land, 8 o'clock special showing of Lara Logan's new film. Be back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. See you then. land where my possessions lie. I am bound for the promised land. I am bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. I will tell you who the unsung heroes of the COVID pandemic are. Of course, the frontline workers. But what about those business owners who hung in there and paid their employees? If you stayed open and paid your people, you could be eligible for up to $26,000 per employee at COVIDtaxrelief.org. That's $26,000 per employee. Now, this is not a loan. These are government funds that were set aside under President Trump, and you don't have to pay it back. Now, all types of business, including nonprofits and churches, can be eligible. But you need to apply now because Congress may pull these funds. Now, it's very specific about W-2s and what you had had to do to pay your employees. And that's why you need to go to the people at COVIDtaxrelief.com. They know all the technical aspects of this. Now, COVIDtaxrelief.org has helped, just in the war room, almost 1,400 businesses or not-for-profits, just like yours, and secured for our folks over $142 million of returns. Now, unlike the other operations out there that do this, COVIDtaxrelief.org, they charge nothing, zero up front. They do all the work and share a percentage of the cash that you get. Let me repeat, nothing up front. They do all the work and then share a percentage of money that you were to receive. You did the tough thing for your employees during one of the toughest times in this country's history. Now let covidtaxrelief.org help you get up to 26 grand per employee. Visit covidtaxrelief.org. That's covidtaxrelief.org. Do it today. Use your agency. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. 
while COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code WARROOM at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOMHEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.